It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. That's right. Pushing the limits time. We made it to Friday. It's your host, Brian Shapiro. It's your buddy. It's your pal. I know you missed me over the course of the last 22 hours or so. It's okay. I'm back now. Your buddy's back. We got a lot to get to. We got a lot to go over today. We got a jam-packed show lined up for you. And coming up here at the bottom of the hour, uh, talk show host Doug Basham will be joining me in studio. That's going to be a pleasure. That's going to be a lot of fun. We had some people last week when he came on said, when's Doug coming on again? Relax, folks. He's on again. Later on in the program, former UNLV interim head coach, also former Finley prep head coach, and now he's, last several years, he's done a phenomenal job for the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. The head coach of Southern Utah, Todd Simon, will be joining us in our number two. I shouldn't say crazy story, but Ron Death Santis, as I like to call him. Uh, we're going to get to this story in front of kids. He's saying, take the mask off, it's theatrics. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Right, I guess we shouldn't be surprised at all at that. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. Yesterday on the show, I had the opportunity to speak to an attorney who's representing the man who threatened Governor Steve Sisolak. Right, you know this guy, Justin Dirtish, or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, Justin, you know, uh, Nazi Dirtish, whatever, whatever, whatever his name is. Uh, you know, guy goes into a restaurant, sees Governor Sislak sitting there with his family, decides to uh, throw vulgarities at him, racial epithets, threats, follows them out of the restaurant to their car. You know, just despicable. So I said, let's get this guy's attorney on, who happens to be a right winger. I knew that, but that's not why I wanted him on. I wanted him on to make the case of why he doesn't believe his client should be prosecuted or even charged with anything. So some people missed the interview, so I wanted to uh, give people an opportunity to hear this. This man's name is Craig Muller, the attorney that is representing Justin Dirtish. Here is the interview that I did with attorney Craig Muller. Have a listen to this. Legally, we can talk about it. Politically, we can talk about it socially. All right, I'm not here as a manners consultant. Okay, nobody asked me if I. No one's asked me whether I thought that was good behavior. That's one discussion, but that's not why I'm here today. Mm-hmm. The second is legally is was Andersich uh, in the wrong. Mm-hmm. The answer is no, not legally. Now he did not threaten. He did not do anything other than express, and what sounds to me, you know, as, as an aside, some very legitimate frustrations with Mr. Sislak. He didn't stalk Sislak, didn't anticipate seeing him, wasn't a prearranged ambush uh, interview, it wasn't a 60 Minutes crew where they kind of kick your door in and ask you tough questions on the spot. None of that. He just literally saw him in the restaurant, and he took the chance to tell the governor exactly what he thought of his policies and his personality. And Can I respond to that, if I may, sir? Sure. Um, so I don't think it's legitimate um, 
to say that Governor Sisolak is withholding all hydroxychloroquine. That is not true. I don't think it's legitimate to say, quote, we should string you up by a lamppost right now. That's what he said. Uh, I would consider it somewhat stalking when you follow somebody out of a restaurant to their car. That's what your client did. So my question to you is, explain to me how it's not a threat when somebody says your client, and it's on the video, I've watched it multiple times like you have, quote, we should string you up by a lamppost right now. Uh, can you please make the argument, how is that not a threat? Because I see that 100%. Actually, it's Okay, and you would be 100% wrong. Why? All right, here's the, well, here's, okay, whether you like it or not. Now, I went to law school as a naval officer. I literally spent every day in law school in a uniform as a military officer. So I've got a, you know, I've had a variety of experiences. Did not have any family in the law, didn't have any experience with law. So everything I learned in law school, I actually sat there and listened to. Now, it is not a crime to express your frustration with your elected elators. It is not a crime to tell them that you think bad things should happen to them. The line gets crossed, and it's here and no further. Here is the line. To threaten a public official, you must have a clear and present danger that the actions and the threat would be acted upon. Now, we've all seen the, the, the old Frankenstein movies where the, the, or the, the natives are there with the pitchforks and the torches. And you, you say, we ought to go storm the castle or follow me, boys. Let's go kill them. Now, that's a clear and present danger, and that's where the line is drawn. Now, whether you like it or not, that's a different discussion. You want to run me for legislature? I'll sit down and talk with you all day about what we think the law should be. The question in the floor uh, on the issue before us is, did Andersich create a crime? The answer is no. Now, Sislak could have sat there and quietly debated him. He could have said, hey, why do you upset with me? No. Sislak walked away. Do you blame him for that? He wasn't. Sir, there's a different discussion. You, we're not here as Miss Manners. I'm not. This, I'm not Mr. Manners here. I totally here. understand you asked, that. You called me on, asked me a legal sure. question. Sure, I, I, I'm giving I, you a legal I, answer. I understand, Mr. Mueller, and I respect that. I totally do. I respect your opinion. With that being said, you're the one who decided to use the term legitimate. I don't think anything your client did that day was legitimate. I thought it was disgusting <laughs> for him to speak to the governor the way he did. There's nothing legitimate about that and the things he said. You're the one who used that word, not me. If you want to talk about legal stuff, I, I respect your opinion. Let's have that debate. And you're absolutely right, sir. There are two different arguments here. There's one about, you know, his behavior, and then there's the legal side of it. And I understand you don't want to, you don't want to talk about the behavior, and I, I respect. Oh, no, that. no, I do. I'll be more than I'll be more than happy to. What then? What okay, is legitimate? Then, then what's legitimate about what he did? He accosted uh, him and his uh, the the governor and the well, wife. He followed them outside. He said disgusting things to them, vulgarities. He didn't want to debate the issues. Uh, I don't understand what you mean when you say the governor could have debated the issues with him. You got a guy that's swearing at the governor that. That's, that's that's being very intimidating. Hey. He didn't debate right. any issues. Well, sir, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Sure. If, if, you're certainly entitled to your views. Now, the simple facts are, and you should read Andrew Sitch's critique. I'm giving you critique. the facts. Okay, well, yes, sir. I saw the video. I've right. seen the video. What's legitimate about what your argue. client did? What is legitimate? Legitimate. Well, what's the word? Okay, sir. I fight for a living. I literally argue all day in court. All right, I'll be more than happy to talk about anything, but if we're going to have a meaningful exchange, it's got to be a notch emotionless down. Okay? I'm just asking now, the a governor's question, actions, That's all. Well, no, the governor's actions have been and are, in several instances, illegal. I have about four or five lawsuits against the governor right now. 
He has not been very punctilious about following the law on anything. On what? The mask mandate is well. The mask mandate is blatantly illegal. In your opinion, There's I don't whole, think it's illegal at no, all. There's no, no, actually, well, sir. Okay, I've got a busy schedule to attend to. I'm more than happy to sit down and talk with you. I'm not your ex-wife. I'm not your ex-girlfriend. I'm not being disrespectful. You asked me to be. You are, sir. Now, if I could, I will talk and I'll listen. You can talk and I'll listen. Now, what has the governor done? The governor shut down the state's economy in total. Shut it down, citing not the public health code. There's public health code. It's Nevada Revised Statute 414 that lays out what he can do. He didn't use that. He used the emergency powers. Mm -hmm. Something's on fire code. Mm -hmm. And then shut it down. He shut it down knowing full and well that the virus was not nearly as dangerous as first thought. He then shut down everyone's businesses. Mr. Andersich is one of hundreds of thousands of Nevadas who lost his job. He's one of hundreds of thousands of Nevadans that were thrown out of work and one of hundreds of thousands of Nevadas who couldn't get unemployment. So that somebody's upset with him cannot come as a surprise to anybody. Being upset with somebody and threatening somebody or throwing vulgarities at somebody are two completely different things. And all due respect, sir, you're talking about policies that you disagree with. You're entitled to your opinion. That's fine. I don't. And you know what? If your client sat down with him or said, "Hey, here's why I don't like you because of this, this, and this," and you, sp- if you spoke to the governor like that, I would have no problem with that at all. But you know, well, you're a smart guy. You've been doing this for a long time. You know that your client didn't do that. This wasn't an intelligent or respectful conversation. Uh, I'm happy to be respectful to you, but your client was not respectful to Governor Sisolak. You know that. Now, if you want to go down the line of things that the governor did that you disagree with or you you believe legally that he broke the law, that you're entitled to your opinion. That's fine. But that's to me, that's irrelevant because it, we're talking about what your client did. There's a way to talk to people, and then there's a way not to talk to people. Your client went into uh, saw the governor, swore at the governor, very disrespectful to him and his wife, by the the way, followed into the car, and I just, uh, you know, we can we can debate the legal ramifications, sure, and I, I just I just think there's a difference between what you're talking about, which is obviously policies you disagree with, sir. You're entitled to that 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 you're entitled to that opinion. Now, I respectfully disagree with you. We were during a global pandemic. We have over nine hundred thousand people that died of this virus. Please. But the, well, okay, I, let's drift. We're drifting from subject to subject here. Well, okay. I don't really want to talk about the governor. I'm with you, uh, sir. I don't want to talk about uh, the governor's either. policies that you might agree or disagree. I'm not going to defend. Okay. And I was a naval officer. Sure. Okay, listen to me. If you're asking Mike Craig Mueller's opinion, that's a different discussion. Sure. You've asked me on to, to discuss whether this was a crime. Absolutely. The answer is no, it's not a crime. It's not a crime just as Donald Trump, whether you like it or not, wasn't committing the act of incitement when he uh, on the Capitol lawn that day. Okay? Well, I disagree. Now, there with are, once again, you can. But the reality is, is law versus good manners are two different things. Can I ask you a question now, when it comes I, to that, is since with your legal well, expertise? Hold, uh, okay, hold on a second. Well, I'm more than happy to stay on topic with sure, you, but let's, sure. let's, let's, let's resolve stuff. Okay, okay, sure. The answer is, was that a crime? Andrasich's crime? No, not that I saw. Number two, would I have recommended or would I have proposed or do I approve of brawling, you know, behavior. No, no, I don't. I was raised as a naval officer, and I believe in, in punctilious courtesy. I know you and wouldn't do I that. Do it in, it, it, okay? I, I know you would no. never do that. I know that. You're a smart guy. You're an attorney. You're a successful guy. You would never have behaved the way your client did. I know that. You don't have to tell me that. But, you know, we're talking about no, your, your client, okay. of course. And you use the term right, legitimate. So the question, 
All right, but the, the answer is, is okay, if you, the listeners want to go, was that a crime? No, it wasn't. David Roger, our was former it, district attorney, disagrees with you. Why? Why do you think he disagrees with you? Our uh, former district Dave Rogers is a, yeah. Dave Rogers is a very good guy. Mm-hmm. Very good attorney. I'm not going to pick a public fight with him. I'm not asking for that. I'm just Probably. saying, why do you think he disagrees with you? I don't know. When uh, I talked, to, I actually went to a fundraiser last night. We were sh- just like lawyers do. I was actually sh- shooting the breeze, of, informally talking about the case. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to speak for Dave because I haven't talked to him about his view of the subject. Now, there's a, you know, there's two or three ways a lawyer can put together a case. You put it like a surgeon. You sit down and you look at the scalpel and you say, okay, here's exactly what this is. Here's exactly how that works. And those are the convictions, the cases that generally, if you can put it together, end in a conviction. All right, I was unfortunately representing a young man charged with murder, and the prosecutor did a remarkably good job, very effectively put the case together against him, and there was little that I could do on behalf of the client. Now, that's a, a, you know, a surgical case put together well. Then there is a... Gee whiz, I got two feet of files that just came in from the uh, overnight shift from the police department. How am I going to get through these files? Well, I'll throw something at the file, and I'll see what sticks. Okay? Now, for there to be, and remember, and this isn't an intellectual construct, Brian. I've done this case. Look this one up if you want to. State of Nevada versus Steve Feeder. All right, the governor did exactly what happened in this case. He charged Steve Feeder with a series of crimes for Steve writing and expressing very similar views online. Steve Feeder lost his business. He was out of money. He was having problems as a result of the shutdown. And he said some pretty uncharitable things to the governor. Online? Eventually, online. And eventually, all three of those charges got dismissed. While I while I okay. agree with you that when you threaten somebody online, that could be a crime, I think you would also agree this case is very different. It happened in person with his wife and his daughter there, and they had to leave the restaurant, and your, your client followed Governor Sislek and his family to their car. I think that's a little bit different than threatening somebody online. Now, listen, you can threaten somebody online, and you can be charged. There's no question about that. So I understand, but that to me, that is a completely different case. Uh, sir, uh, and by the way, if you're just joining us, speaking with Attorney Craig Miller. He's nice enough to join us. He's representing... Justin Anders, uh, and again, we can we can disagree, but I Anders wanted. Uh, I apologize, sir. A- Anders, and by the way, he's welcome to come on this show and defend himself, and I would gladly have a conversation with him. The invitation is always open, and I, and I do appreciate you coming on. I guess the, the you're right. As I said earlier, there are two different aspects to this. There's the legal ramifications, or, or you, you do not believe in representing your client that he made a threat. I just simply disagree with you. I think when you say would, uh, we should string you up by a lamppost right now, that's pretty cut and dry as that being a threat. But we'll have to wait and see what happens, and we'll let the courts decide on that, and I'm totally okay with that. Nice. And, if, and if the courts say that your client is not going to be charged with a crime, then I will respect that. Obviously, it doesn't change my opinion on your client. I think what he did was despicable that day. I think some of his opinions right. are despicable. And, you know, you brought up the mask mandate, so let's get back to that now, because I think, you know, you're, you're an intelligent guy. Let's talk about that for a moment, if I may, because I think we've kind of beat right. a dead horse when it comes to your client. We had a global pandemic. I was in the hospital for two weeks. I almost died of the virus. It's not like Governor Sislak one day woke up and said, hey, I want to inconvenience the entire state and 
and make people wear masks. He was listening to real experts. And when I mean real experts, I'm not talking about Donald Trump and I'm not talking about Tucker Carlson and you or me. I don't have any medical experience. I don't know if you do, sir. I certainly respect your education and, and you're an attorney, but you're not a doctor any more than I am. I know that Governor Sislak listened to real doctors and real experts, so I'm not sure why you make the case that he broke the law uh, with, with these mass mandates. Many of them were throughout the country and throughout the world, quite frankly. All right. Now, okay, is the floor mine? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. Now, let's lay out a few things that are simple facts, and whether you like these or not, there are facts. Communicable diseases are not new to the American society or the American legal system. Now, it's been a living memory since we've had one like this, but there's nothing new about it. The law has addressed it. The law is actually very clear on these points. Government has broad powers to protect against communicable diseases. The Nevada broad powers are found in chapter, and you can read it. Nevada Revised Statute, write this, and if you want to, write this down, and I'm more than happy to come back on the show and go through it with you, are found in Nevada Revised Statute Chapter 414. In a public health emergency, this guy can do that. That guy can do this. All right? That's it. I mean, there's a whole chapter, chapter and verse. The governor never invoked that chapter. He went to the emergency powers chapter, the one that is designed for the Russians are coming across the border or a nuclear accident has occurred or some catastrophic loss of property. An emergency under Nevada law for that chapter is a occurrence by which the local authorities acting alone cannot prevent the loss of life or property. That's the definition of it. Now, no time at any time during this pandemic did a locality turn anybody away for treatment. Now, there was a couple hospitals, and I'll concede that. Remember, there's a couple hospitals that were getting close to capacity at a certain point, but it never occurred. We never had an activated legal emergency under the Nevada Revised Statute or the definition. Number two, a virus is a molecule. It is literally at the atomic level. It goes through a mask like a mosquito goes through a chain link fence. Dr. Fauci actually said very early on, before it became politically correct, said viruses do not have respond or cannot be treated with masks. It actually says on the side of the box, not for protection against viruses. The common mask, the one that we all see, the blue-white one that's been uh, uh, flirted or with the flurs, three or four uh, rows, is a surgical mask. It is designed to prevent spittle and drool from falling into a surgical patient for 20 minutes and only 20 minutes at a time. The masks had literally nothing to do with it. And God help me, I'm sincerely sorry that you were infected with this virus, and I really do say that. I know a lot of people, and I've known a couple of casualties, a couple of friends of mine or acquaintances of mine have passed as a result of it. The virus was a real thing. Having said that, you were going to get that virus whether you wore a mask or not. Uh, that's not true. In fact, that's well, not true. you can look at that. Oh, okay, well, well, there's nothing to look right, up. What Brian, doctor, what doctor, have, what doctor Brian, sir, in Las Vegas has told you that masks don't work? Can you name me one doctor Brian, with expertise that has said that to you? Actually, read the box. I'm not actually, asking. There's, if you get on, okay, stop. The stop. box says masks don't pretty, work? Brian, 
I'll be more than happy to come on your show with a little advance notice. Understood, sir. Okay, I appreciate, you asked me, I appreciate you asked, that. You asked me to come on board. Understood. Now, I'm we're just going responding. Off of, we're tangents on tangents. Well, it's not Here a tangent. It's not a, you brought up the master, it not is. me. You Listen, Actually, sir. Actually, doctor, if... Sir, you brought up... Ryan, I have a busy law practice to get to. I've got three people in the waiting room, buddy. Okay. Uh, you asked okay. me a question. Two minutes. Uh, you brought up okay. Governor Sislock's mask, not me. That wasn't supposed to be a mm-hmm. part of the conversation. You brought it up. That's why I'm talking yeah. about it. There is no legitimate doctor in this country that would use a blatant statement that masks don't work. Do some masks work better than others? Sure, absolutely. Are masks 100% foolproof? Absolutely not. But for you to make a blatant statement as an attorney that, quote, masks don't work, I find that to be extremely irresponsible that you would make a statement like that. I really do. Hey, Brian, thank you for the invitation. It's been okay. nice talking your, your, with your you. Client, I have some other things is to Is your to. client legitimate? Sir, is he I, legitimate? Is your client legitimate? legitimate? You think what he did was what legitimate? legitimate? You think what he did was sir, legitimate that day? You, sir, I don't need to be provoked. You I'm not asking to you to provoke me. Uh, sir, I'm not trying to provoke day, you. You're not going to answer that question. Thank you. Okay. There you go. And that's how the interview ended, if you were just joining us. Uh, that man is attorney Craig Mueller. He's representing the guy who threatened Governor Sisolak. And by the way, make no mistake about it. It was a threat. The fact that he called this client legitimate says all you need to know about him. But anyway, listen to the end of that interview when he starts talking about mask wearing like he's some sort of doctor. This guy has zero medical expertise. He's an attorney with a platform. And now he's trying to say that masks don't work. Folks, this is so absurd. And it's so ridiculous. And then when I asked him about his client's behavior, specifically going into a restaurant, swearing at the governor, racial epithets, threatening the governor, following the governor, his wife, to their car. I asked him to try to defend that. And what does he do? He deflects, like so many on the fringe right do. He deflects, and then he starts talking about his opinions of Governor Sisolak's policies. Let me be very clear. I care more about the last bathroom visit I had than this attorney's opinions on Governor Sisolak because it's ridiculous. I could care less, but that's what he talked about. You know who this guy reminds me of? You know who attorney Craig Mueller reminds me of? A guy that's running for governor who came on this show last week. Governor Joey Gilbert, another right-wing buffoon who came on this show trying to speak like he was some sort of doctor with medical expertise. I'm going to play you a little tidbit of the interview I did with Joey Gilbert when we talk, start talking about coronavirus. Have a listen to this. But what you haven't learned is that this entire case, this entire situation with the pandemic has been a completely overblown bunch Almost of nonsense. Almost a million people have totally died, treatable. Almost a million yeah, people have died. What? 85 to 90 percent of them never had to die. They could have been treated with the right medication. You're right, because if Donald Trump, you're right. I agree with you. We finally finally agree on something, sir, because if Donald Trump didn't downplay the virus from the beginning and he didn't tell people not to wear masks or, or told people to inject himself with disinfectant, 15 cases down to zero. And if we didn't have people like you spreading misinformation for two years, then you're right. A lot of people didn't have to die. Sadly, a lot of people you're like you're like the male version of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Sadly, a lot of people listen to people like you. And they don't listen to actual real doctors, but they listen to America's frontline doctors who you seem to endorse. They have doctors within the organization that believe in demon sperm and believe women can get pregnant in their sleep. But you seem to endorse people like that, sir. So with all due respect, please tell me again. Who's keep, Go ahead. You keep, 
You keep conflating. It's not Dr. Simone Gold that said that. That's Dr. Stella Mango. Who's in, who's in the America's front, who's in no, front, America's front line she doctors. Actually, really? No, she's actually, no, she's part of uh, frontline MDs. We're America's frontline doctors. Get your uh-huh. stuff straight. And more Get people die stuff during straight. Biden than Trump. You know more why? Caught him down COVID again. During- again, the guy has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. The reason why is because we've had new variants that were created. The main reason, because people don't get vaccinated like people like you, who are selfish. The reason why we've had more people die under the Biden administration is because we've had more new dangerous variants that are serious. That's why. That's another right-wing buffoon talking point, Mr. Gilbert. There you go. My interview with uh, Mr. Marjorie Taylor Greene, also known as Joey Gilbert, running for governor. Oh, by the way, just a little tidbit, ladies and gentlemen, this moron, Justin Anderish, or whatever the hell his name is, who threatened the governor. He did this little podcast with like three listeners. Guess who appeared on his podcast? Shocker, Joey Gilbert. That's right. And Joey Gilbert wants to defend Dr. Simone Gold, who created America's Frontline Doctors. Oh, so funny We bring he brings that up because she was in the news yesterday. She was arrested last year for participating in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, and she was defiant. She claimed she was simply exercising her free speech rights and even made a dramatic video portraying herself as the victim. But yesterday, in court... She dropped that defiance, and she agreed to plead guilty to a misdemeanor charge of unlawfully entering and remaining in a restricted area at the U.S. Capitol, and she cried in the courtroom. That's the man, uh, or I should say that's the woman, uh, who this guy, Joey Gilbert, is so happy that he got an endorsement from. Despicable. These people are despicable. And I'm going to tell you something. This attorney that I had on that's representing Justin Anders said a lot of similar things that Joey Gilbert said. Said a lot of similar things with people with zero medical experience. I mean zero, seem to say. Like, masks don't work. Joey Gilbert said that the Democrats created the coronavirus. Which is it? Did China create the coronavirus? Or did Democrats create the coronavirus here? These people are have zero medical experience, have zero credibility, and they hurt people with their rhetoric. And people die because of their rhetoric. It's wrong. It's disgusting. Joey Gilbert shouldn't be taken seriously. This guy representing Justin Anders shouldn't be taken seriously because he would rather talk about the policies that he disagrees with when it comes to Steve Sisolak than people, everyday idiots, that uh, that will threaten a political Uh, person, a politician, or in this case, the governor. It's disgusting. I'm going to open up the phone lines as well right now, 702-221-7283. Again, that number to call your reaction, 702-221-7283. And then coming up next, I can't wait. I love this guy, liberal talk show host Doug Basham. I know he is going to have uh, some very interesting things to say, reaction to this interview I did with this attorney, and uh, he'll be coming up next to talk a little bit about that. So we're going to take a quick break. Again, opening up the phone lines, your thoughts on that interview, 702-221-7283. John Ralston, actually, by the way, retweeted the interview I did with Joey Gilbert. My interview might have been the beginning of the end for Joey Gilbert. I'm not so sure about that, but Ralston seemed to say that I was prepared and that Joey Gilbert couldn't take the heat. I, I tend to agree. People t- seem to hang up uh, the phone on me. You know, when I was younger, when I'd be talking to a girl on the phone, they would hang up on me for different reasons. But these days, these days, when I do radio interviews these days, okay, people hang up on me because they can't take the heat. It does appear that way. All right. Doug Basham joining us next. Again, the phone line's open, 221-7283. We will take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. 
All right, welcome back to Pushing the Limits on a Friday. So glad you could join us. Just played my interview with Las Vegas attorney Craig Miller. He's representing Justin Andrish. He's the uh, idiot who decided to threaten the governor, accost the governor and his poor wife in a Las Vegas restaurant. This attorney used the term legitimate to describe his client. I think that's all you need to know about this attorney. There's nothing legitimate about this guy. He's a complete buffoon, whack job, who belongs behind bars, if you ask me. So uh, before we get to uh, my good friend Doug Basham, who's joining me in the studio, I just quickly want to tell you a little bit about one of my favorite spots in town. I love these guys. I love uh, my friend Brian, the owner of Jackson's Bar and Grill, uh, located on Jones and Flamingo, one of my favorite gaming bars in town. Great food, great atmosphere, uh, really great uh, staff as well. And what a great place to, to play. I love playing a little video poker there. So they have this really cool promote. Well, they have a lot of promotions. But one of them, you walk in the door, you ask for a player's card, and you mention my name and the name of this show, Pushing the Limits. You get $10 free play right off the bat. They have tons of other promotions, including if you hit a taxable uh, hit on any of the machines. Whatever you win, you get 10% of that in free play. How cool is that? they got tons of promotions. Check them out. Great food, great gaming bar, great place to play. And just a great place to relax and have fun. Maybe get off a little bit of steam after work. Uh, whatever the case may be, go grab some food and play some slot machines. Uh, they got everything from 25-cent fl- slot machines all the way to $2 max machines, which are $10 a pull. So check them out. Jackson's Bar and Grill. Say hello to Brian Slipbach from me. Tol- tell them that I sent you over there at Jones and Flamingo. It's a great place, and I promise you'll have a great time. All right. None other further ado, joining me in studio right now, uh, he is liberal talk show host Doug Basham. Uh, and, uh, Doug, I'm glad you're here. You had a chance to listen to that interview for the first time this morning. Uh, thank you for being here, by the way. What is your first reaction? My first reaction, I think he makes a good point when he makes the differentiation between the moral aspect and the legal. But to say that his client is legitimate for that kind of, he may not be guilty of a crime, mm-hmm. but to accost a public official in public when he's with his wife and his daughter, to call that legitimate, and I, and I thought maybe he has to say that because he's defending his client if he came out. I mean, no, that was a crappy thing to do, you know. Um, you know, that would hinder his case in court. But so I understand why he's saying it. Maybe he doesn't really believe that what his client did was legit. But he's just protecting him. That's what he's being paid to do. And I understand that. And I wouldn't have been set off if he didn't decide to talk about his issues with Governor Sislock. He started off the interview saying, well, why didn't Sislock have security? That is completely irrelevant. That just because you don't have security doesn't give people the right to go up to someone, accost somebody, and threaten them. That's number one. And, you know, then he started to give his opinions on COVID. I could give two you-know-whats about what some right-wing buffoon attorney has opinions when it comes to mask wearing and COVID. This guy has zero medical expertise, and he's talking to me like he's Dr. Fauci. And by the way, these are the types of people that go after Dr. Fauci, people that have zero medical expertise themselves that are right-wing idiots. I'm sorry. Am I being too tough on this guy? I just think he's a moron. Well, he, he could well be. I mean, there's a lot of people who share that opinion of most lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you call 99 lawyers in a 100-seat bus going over a cliff? Right. <laughs> Good right. start. <laughs> you know, but um, I don't know. No, I mean, again, he might just be doing it because that's what he's paid to do. But saying, A, that his client is what he did was legitimate, he, didn't, he wouldn't have to say that to protect him. Because in court, the morality aspect doesn't matter, only the legal. Mm-hmm. So he could come out and say, yes, my client's a douchebag, but it wasn't a crime. 
So, and that's fine. And, that, and I said that over and over in the interview. I respect. I will respect the court's decision if he's charged and he's not convicted. Uh, let the courts decide that. And I wanted to hear his opinion on that. But again, then he started to, in a way, excuse the behavior. And then he said, well, you know, Sisolak could have sat down and could have debated the issues with him. Are you yeah, effing kidding me? Did that guy that was a, that, that threatened the governor think he knew anything about the issues? He's a moron. As I, heard, I mean, give me a break. As if the governor say, oh, you know, you're right. I did. I have been holding hydroxychloroquine. I've got eight pounds of hydroxychloroquine that my wife stores in my attic. I mean, it's so stupid. This guy's so dumb. As, and, and, and for his attorney to even say that, oh, he could have sat down and talked about the issues with him. Give me a break. As if Craig Muller was sitting down in a restaurant with his wife having dinner with his daughter and someone came up and started telling him what a piece of crap he was he'd say i'm happy to sit down and debate you <laughs> right, sir right. have a seat beside my daughter so stupid I mean, what, what were some other points of the interview doug that uh you listened to that you found kind of interesting i disagreed with him on the part about the threat I mean, you have plausible deniability by saying, oh, we should string you up. Not, I am going to. But to me, that's an inferred threat. It may not be direct, but it's still a threat. Whether it's inferred or direct doesn't matter to me. It's a threat. And I think you should yeah. be charged. By the way, so interesting, this this moron, uh, Justin, Justin Anderish, that... Sisolak's wife might have grazed by him, and then he turns around and he says, don't touch me, don't touch me like a little girl, don't, don't touch me. Meanwhile, it's probably little... the first time he's been yeah. touched by a woman in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right about that based on the, yeah, what a wussy this guy is. Don't touch me, don't touch me. And, 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 you know, I mean, I mean, it's so, it's so disgusting, this whole thing, and, and is this where we're at in society now? Is well, this where we're at? You know, another part of the interview when uh, he said Sisolak didn't have security, that's the same distractive thing they're using over January 6th to distract from the fact that if Donald Trump hadn't incited the riot, there would have been no need for any security at all. Take it back to yeah. its root. Trump incited the riot. The problem wasn't that there wasn't, wasn't enough security. The problem was there was too much Trump. That's what a lot of these people on the extreme right tend to say, that you know Trump didn't commit any crimes. Uh, this is what I say to people like that. And by the way, I could care less what this attorney's opinion is on that because to me he has absolutely zero credibility. Uh, with that being said, if Donald Trump for months before the January 6th interaction didn't say Joe Biden cheated – he was an illegitimate president, and the Democrats cheated, and they stole the election. If Donald Trump didn't say those things, does January 6th still happen? To any reasonable human being with an IQ over 20, the answer is no. Of course January 6th doesn't happen. The reason why it happened was because of Donald Trump's rhetoric, and even the day of January 6th, most- an hour before it happened, it was Trump on a stage that said, I'll follow you down there. <laughs> he didn't have to specifically say... I'm going to go in there and crap on Nancy Pelosi's desk in order yeah. for it to be a crime. He is the person who instigated it. Now, if you go if for example, I'll give you an example of instigation. There was a story Doug a couple of years ago of a woman who was dating uh, her boyfriend at the time and she was putting him down and she said you should just end it and you should kill yourself. She had a, okay? I remember that. He yeah. ended up killing himself. Yep. She was charged and convicted of a crime. You don't have to actually do the crime to be convicted of a crime. Right. Hence, Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And, and isn't it interesting? First of all, these people that say, oh, Democrats cheated, they're, they're so oblivious to the absolute size and scope 
that their conspiracy would have to entail in order for it to be to actually have been pulled off. They don't realize the hundreds of thousands of people that would have to be involved. Yeah. And the other thing is, isn't it interesting that the only people so far I've heard of that have been charged and convicted of voting fraudulently in the last election were Republicans, including four in the villages in Florida. Yeah. You know. No, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you, Doug. I'm, I'm with you 150%. He's Doug Basham. I am Brian Shapiro. We're going to open up the phone lines right now. What do you think about this stuff? Agree, disagree. Number to call 702-221-7283. Your thoughts on the interview I did with the attorney. And do you agree with the analogy I made? I played a clip of Joey Gilbert. I think this attorney and Joey Gilbert have very similar views on a lot of different things. Again, that number to call is 221-7283. Let's go to John. John is first up on Pushing the Limits. What's up, John? Got the <laughs> What's up, my friend? My two favorite radio guys of all time. <laughs> hey, Brian, I can't believe you didn't curl in the run in the corner and curl in the field position when that uh, the lawyer yesterday said he attended school in his navy blues. <laughs> yeah. That should have been the end. Should have been the end, end. I think it might be a little bit irrelevant, but uh, it is. Jeez, it is. The only thing of legal, legal substance he said was. There was no clear and present danger. I've, I've, uh, I've spent three minutes reading those statutes, and I don't see that at all. By the way, need- how do we know that? How do we know that this guy isn't capable? Let me tell you something. If I was in Sisolak's shoes, I'm sure Sisolak and his wife were very scared. They should have been. This guy could have been armed. We don't know. We don't know what this guy could have been capable of. You have to take every threat seriously. This guy certainly is unhinged. So that's that's debatable, and, you know— there is no, you know, the attorney made it cut and dry, like I'm 100% wrong. You know, I mean, it's it's absurd to me. That's up to, for the courts to decide, but I think his client deserves to go to jail. Yeah, that, that, uh, the whole, first of all, you did a phenomenal job, man. You are professional. Thank uh, you. Second, the only thing of legal substance he put on the table was there was no clear and present danger. Like I said, I, I spent a minute reading those statutes. I don't see clear and present danger. The only thing I really think is, in law, it's often a reasonable person standard. Would a reasonable preserved person in that position feel threatened? And my answer is, hell yes. 100%. And it, 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 he invaded his space. He touched him in the beginning under this false, fraudulent, smart-ass pretense that he was a fan of the governor's. So uh, that alone, in other words, the way he started off the whole interaction was based on a fraudulent uh, you know, let me get a selfie. Well, really, he just wanted to put his hands on him to let him know that he can touch him. You know, and he's a big guy. He's a former MMA fighter, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, failed, so, failed MMA fighter that couldn't win any fights because he's a little wussy. That's why. Couldn't yeah, win any fight. He had a failed career, and then he whines about losing his job. He lost his job and his benefits, and it's not his fault. It's the fault of Governor Sislas. Isn't You know, I used to work with people. I'm going to be honest with you, John. I used to work with people that have no brain, no education, and no job. And you know who they blame? Joe Biden. All these right-wing idiots that have no education, that are dumb, they want to blame Joe Biden instead of waking up in the morning, looking themselves in the mirror and say, hey, I'm kind of a dumbass. Maybe I should go back to school. I'm so sick of it, John. I'm sick of it. Go ahead. Last word. That's Donald Trump's base, man. I mean, that's the base. That's where we are right now. They're a fellowship of hate. 
They're blaming everything on uh, all of their life's failures uh, on immigrants and any other person, any uh, government officials. It's pathetic. They're a fellowship of hate. They're whole. You know, the other day I went through Ted Cruz's Twitter timeline. Oh my God! I mean, it's like fifty a day, and every <laughs> single one of them is negative. It's just hate. All yeah. he does is peddle hate. No, you're right, uh, John. John, you are 150 percent right. I agree with you. And by the way, I just want to give the guy who threatened Governor Sislak, who John just said, uh, MMA fighter, guess what his lifelong record was in, in MMA? What? Zero wins, one loss, and zero ties. <laughs> so he had his career in uh, in the UFC is about as good as as high as I guess regarded as his IQ. And you know, and even just in that one match and that one loss, he still obviously took too many shots to the head. He probably did. You're, you're By the pro- way, Brian, you mentioned Trump saying at the ellipse on January 6th, I'll walk down there with you. There's a great meme online. The top photo is sh- showing Trump January 6th saying, I'll walk down there yeah. with you. The second picture is a, a photo of Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine, yeah. in combat gear, mm-hmm. in Kiev, with his people. Caption reads, bitch, please. <laughs> I'll tell you something, Zelensky, uh, and that's another story we can get to next segment, but uh, I have a lot of respect for him oh. uh, and what he's doing. He's a hero. Not uh, bad for a comic. Yeah, I'll tell you that for sure. Uh, number to call again, 221 Eight, three, your thoughts on, uh, you know, what should be done to somebody that threatens a politician or just a threat in general? Again, two two one seven two eight three. Let's go to Fernando. Fernando is next on Pushing the Limits. What's up, Fernando? Hey, hey guys. Um, well, we all know that, that defense lawyers are, are good at deflecting and deflecting. That's what they're good at, and that's what they paid for. And um, the interview yesterday, um, you took him to school on it. Um, he um, didn't want to stick to the issue. He went all the way around it, you know. But um, what's um, Joe Lombardo going to do? Um, where's um, where's our um, leaders, um, Steve Wilson? Let's, let's talk about Joe Lombardo for a second, Fernando. I'm glad you brought him up yeah. because when Joe Lombardo, was, who's running for office, who's running for governor, was asked about this, the first thing he said wasn't threatening somebody is wrong. The first thing he said wasn't this is terrible, this is despicable behavior. No, the first thing that Sheriff Lombardo said was, well, listen, while I don't condone violence, I understand his frustration. Let me ask you a question, Fernando. If a police officer's life was threatened, the first words out of Sheriff Lombardo's mouth, you think the first words would have been, I can understand this person's frustrations. You think that would have been his first words? No, it would have been, uh, we got to get a arrest warrant for him right away. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. it goes to you, the biased buffoon that is Lombardo. He is a biased buffoon. If you're going to be my governor, I want you to be consistent. And here's what consistency looks like. It doesn't matter what you threaten a governor, Democrat or Republican, any more than if you threaten a police officer. Any type of threat is wrong. There's no justification, and there's no understanding of frustration. Wrong is wrong. That's what I want somebody to say. Lombardo is a moron because he's inconsistent. He's another right-wing hack. He'll take every moment to go after the Black Lives Matter movement and some of those peaceful protesters, but when it comes to a guy who threatens the governor, he's understanding of his frustrations, and I'm sick of it, Fernando. I really am. Lombardo is a fool. This is um, how many times you have to look at the video. I mean, a million times. It's it's easy. Go have the man arrested, have him go through the process, and then let it, the case land on Steve Wolfson's um, desk, and let's go from there. Agree. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, Fernando. Appreciate the call, my friend. Good call. Uh, and again, that number to call is 221 221- 
7283. Uh, am I wrong on Sheriff Lombardo? His first statement was, I understand his frustration. Well, you know who gave him permission to say that? Donald Trump. Yeah. That was what Donald Trump said after the January 6th insurrection slash attack slash, you know, attempt to destroy our democracy. Well, people were frustrated. I mean, <laughs> that that's the era in which we live. Yeah, so if you're frustrated, and again, these people that say that you think you're the only one that's frustrated, how about all the people that have died under, uh, under uh, this horrible global pandemic? And that's what it is. It's a global pandemic. This attorney said, well, on the box, if you buy a mask, it says masks don't work. It doesn't say that masks don't work. What it says is that they don't want to get sued, and they say it doesn't you know, keep you from getting COVID. That's what the mask say. It's not effective in – it's that you can still get COVID, just like on the front of a condom box, right? I know, Doug, you probably haven't worn many of them, at least not in the 60s. They begged me not yes, to. Yes, of course. But on the front of a – on a condom box, that doesn't necessarily stop or prevent someone from getting pregnant. Same thing with a mask. If you ask actual real experts, not some right-wing buffoon attorney, but an actual experts that uh, – you know, in infectious disease, they will tell you that while masks are not 100% foolproof, they are effective. It's not a fashion statement. They are effective. Well, I got to say, Brian, I I get sick every winter, at least once, sometimes twice if it's a good winter. Yeah. Every winter, without fail. For the last two, two and a half years, I haven't had as much as a sniffle. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I've done differently is wear a mask. Yeah. Well, they, they work. There's no question about that. Are they 100%? No. Are condoms 100%? No. But they work, right, Doug? I yeah. mean, and, you know, these people on the far right, they all uh, seem like they're they're doctors and they're experts. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. But guess who the people that I listen to, the people that I've interviewed on this show, right? I interview infectious disease doctors that are in the front lines. I've interviewed doctors that run hospitals in Las Vegas that have been on the show. Dr. Martinello has been on this show. Dr. Atani, decades of infectious disease. All these people have been on this show. They're real experts, not America's frontline doctors, people that got arrested uh, the January 6th insurrection or people that believe in demon sperm. But she's a real doctor. Yeah, she's a real doctor, exactly. I mean, Doug, it's just it's so frustrating to me that we still have so many idiots out there. And here's what gets me even more angry. Listen, people like Justin Anderish, who threatened the governor, there's no hope for some people. Obviously, he's very stupid. Right? There are people – there are two different types of people. There are people that are stupid that believe in propaganda, and then there are people that are smart that know it's not true but still spew it. Yeah. And uh, quite frankly, I think the latter is worse. They're both dangerous, but the latter is worse because they know better. Absolutely, and that's what makes Donald Trump so dangerous. He has no shame. He knows he's lying. He knows he lost. His own attorney general, hand-picked, told him he lost, that his claims of fraudulent election – conspiracies were bullcrap. Only he didn't say crap. Barr yeah. laid it on the line for him. Yeah. Trump told him to resign. What do you make, Doug, of some of these people that are running for office, not just in Las Vegas, but in Nevada? I mean, uh, besides a Joey Gilbert, who's a complete clown show. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Fiore, someone who puts panties uh, on her face. Uh, I, know, I know that's a normal Saturday night for you, Doug, <laughs> but, uh, but Michelle and, Fiore... And Sunday morning, regrettably. But you do it... <laughs> But you do it for different reasons, I'm sure. That's Michelle true. Fiore did it because she was mocking mask wearing. You got people like Joe Lombardo, people that won't even admit to this day that Joe Biden won a free and fair election. What do you make of these people that are running for office locally here? First of all, Michelle Fiore knows she's lying. If only boobs were brains. 
She knows she's lying, as do a lot of these other people. Michelle Fiore is a lot of things. She's not stupid. She knows there wasn't this giant, colossal conspiracy by Democrats to steal the election from Donald Trump. These people live in an isolated bubble comprised the center around which revolves around Fox Noise. Mm -hmm. And they fail to realize on a good night, Tucker Carlson gets 3 million viewers. There are 230 million people in this country. The majority do not live inside that bubble. You really think Joe Biden got 81 million votes? Yes, because the majority, overwhelming majority of this country doesn't live inside that isolated bubble. By the way, if you wanted to know what the definition of a coward was, we just had somebody who just called into the show who called me a stupid, lying idiot, uh, didn't give an example of what lies I have spoken to. Of course Because I haven't. Of course not. And then he said, I can't believe somebody gave you a job to our producer, and then he hung up the phone. If you look up the name Coward in the dictionary, <laughs> it would be this person. You want to come on my show Typical and you want to say it, warrior. say it on my show, and then I'll give you the opportunity to tell me what you think I'm lying about, but you're a coward see, because you call into the show, you call you call somebody a liar, and then you hang up and you don't even want to go on the air because you're an idiot and you're a coward. But that's why the person hung up, right. because he has nothing to back it up. You're right. All he knows are the talking points and lies he gets from his right-wing media. Right. And if he dare bring them up on the air, you and I would stomp his testicles into the ground <laughs> till that, they were that dust sounds, blowing in the wind. By the way, that's Doug Basham's fetish. He stomps men's testicles into the ground. Oh, I uh, can't right get enough yeah, of it. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. After having it done to me for years, I must say I enjoy doing it back. <laughs> uh, don't blame you. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. You know, the bottom line here is it doesn't matter or at least it shouldn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. We're all Americans. We all should pe- treat people with at least the amount of – and I'm not talking about calling somebody an idiot or a moron, right? I do that every day. <laughs> I'm talking about threatening somebody, yeah. forcing somebody to leave a restaurant. Nobody deserves that. Nobody hates Donald Trump more than me. Maybe Doug. Mm, yeah. Maybe Doug. We, we both are at the same level. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, if I saw Donald Trump somewhere with no security, uh, I, I, I probably wouldn't say anything to him. If I did, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, you would. I probably wouldn't say something nice, but I can tell you something I wouldn't do. I wouldn't accost his family. I wouldn't follow him. Well, I'd go after his family first. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I, but in all seriousness, I wouldn't threaten him. I wouldn't follow who, who him and his family. Who wasn't being serious? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do what this man did because it's wrong. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. We're all Americans here, right? Although a lot of people on the right would like to lead you to believe that if you're an illegal in this country, you're not an American. You're you're well, not you're only a rapist. that, but if you don't agree yeah. with them, you're right. not a real American. Right. Exactly. And it's um, it's a sad state of affairs that we're in right now. Dangerous. You notice all three of us looking out the window. That lady bending over, putting stuff in her car. I, I don't know what, what you're of you. I don't know what you're talking about. But what I <laughs> I think it was Marjorie Taylor Greene. But what what I do know is this. We need to get better people in office. Uh, and I'm talking about both sides of the aisle. Listen, there's some people on the left that I don't like either. She was putting a plant in the back of her, in the back seat, <laughs> and she was bending over. Maybe that's where the phrase crackpot came from. That's possible. That could be possible. I don't know. We need to do a better job of electing better people in office. And um, there's a lot of people. You know, when I see the president speak the other night, and I thought he did a pretty good job. And listen. I'll say the same thing about Donald Trump when it comes to this regard. You, you know, you have an elected official up there making a speech. You don't interrupt the president. 
you know, we saw it back in the days of Obama when he was called liar. Yep. You know, and we thought that was the end. It's like you. It's like these these people can't control their their toddlers. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert's of the world. What type of despicable person do you have to be when the president of the United States is up there talking about his dead son who died of cancer, who, by the way, was a hero, who risked his life for this country? Yep. And basically, mid-sentence, you have Lauren Boebert interrupting him. making. And, and by the way, here's something that's interesting, by the way. I wanted to get your take on this since we're talking about our military now. The Lauren Boberts of the world were, you know, claim they care so much about those 13 uh, people who died in Afghanistan. What about the bill that was passed yesterday? The bill that was passed that would help our veterans, and it will help our veterans, who are suffering with breathing disorders and medical issues. It's, it's free Medicare to help our brave men and women. Every single Democrat voted for this bill. 147 Republicans voted against it, including, including Lauren Boebert. So she seems she claims to care about those brave men and women, 13 soldiers who died in Afghanistan. But when it comes to voting on a bill mm-hmm. to help veterans and to help those brave men and women, they vote no. Let me repeat that. Every single Democrat voted for it. That's why it passed. I think 27 Republicans voted for it. 147 Republicans voted against it. Doug, the word I use here is Despicable. Just when we think it couldn't be more despicable. Why would they vote against this bill? It is what I have called for eons, rampant, reeking Republican hypocrisy, and why no one should ever vote for any Republican ever, ever again. Well, right, well know, I'll push back, far, back on a little bit. As far as the 13 Af- uh, that yeah. died in Afghanistan, yeah. all when you watch Fox News, and I watch more than perhaps Fox I noise. should, <laughs> you know. When they talk about the current situation in Ukraine, some of the reporting is good, and some of the reporters they have over there are excellent. But then they get to the commentary part where where it becomes, and this is why it's all Joe Biden's fault. And as far as her shouting out the 13 who died in Afghanistan, they're suddenly silent on the 13,000 who have died in Ukraine since Putin took over Crimea, Mm -hmm. most of which when Trump was in office. Mm -hmm. But those 13,000, they're not told about that on their on their inside their isolated bubble so i know that you lean further to the left than i do i lean to the left on social issues and uh, you know but uh and, and you're a liberal and there's nothing wrong with that i lean so far to the left i have but, no ear on the that's left. fine but i disagree with a little bit of what you said uh, there are republicans that i would vote for i think there are reasonable republicans out there now there's not many for example a guy by the name of Mitt romney i don't always agree with him but i think he's a decent man he stood up for what was right. I don't disagree. Okay. And the then, problem is he is part of the anti-democracy party. And the more Republican votes you give, the more power you give to that perhaps, faction but of I'm the talk- party. Perhaps, but I'm talking individually. I think there are – Adam Kinzinger oh, I agree. is – Adam Kinzinger is another guy that I, that I do have a lot of respect for. And uh, even though I have always, almost always disagreed with Liz Cheney and her policy decision-making, yeah. I have respect for her because she decided – to do what was right, and she worried about what was do, doing the right thing rather than her own political power, and I respect that about Absolutely. her. Absolutely. There are some reasonable Republicans. Now, I just named a few, but there are some. So we're here. Oh, I agree yeah. that there are some reasonable yeah. Republicans, but right. I still maintain you shouldn't vote I, for them. <laughs> I, I understand, but I think if it was between Mitt Romney um, and, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi, I'd probably vote for Mitt Romney, but that's just me. We can discuss on the other side. He's uh, Doug Basham. I'm Brian Shapiro. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, 
You're not going to believe what Ron DeSantis said in front of a bunch of teenagers. It has something to do with mask wearing. We have the audio for you. Oh, yeah, and by the way, former Fox News director is in a lot of trouble. He got arrested in Paris. What did he do wrong? He used to work for Sean Hannity. We'll talk about that when we come back. Coming up in hour number two, head Southern Utah basketball coach Todd Simon will be joining us. Talk a little March Madness with him. Take a break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It's a Friday, hour number two. By the way, we have a uh, mentally ill person who has called back several <laughs> times now, calling me names, saying Doug is the one making threats on the air. Uh, sir, I care about you. If you're the person that keeps calling the studio and uh, keeps calling me names but refuses to go on the air, uh, I want you to do something. I want you to call your doctor. I want you to make a, uh, an appointment and tell your doctor that you have uh, problems with calling into radio shows and <laughs> calling people names, uh, but refusing to go on the air. Uh, maybe there's a pill for being a coward. Maybe your doctor could give it to you uh, during the physical. I don't know. But uh, um, anyway, I, I care about you, sir. Unfortunately, and, uh, there's no cure for stupid. No, there's not. You're right about that, Doug Basham. He's Doug Basham. I'm Brian Shapiro. This is Pushing the Limits. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, by the way. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so giddy because it's March Madness. I love college basketball. It's my favorite time of the year. Don't really care much for Christmas, uh, but I do care about (laughs) March Madness. And uh, we got the West Coast Conference Tournament. BYU, who I refuse to uh, root for, but uh, BYU, uh, unless I wager on them, but BYU is going to be playing tonight. Uh, We got uh, a couple uh, games that are being played at the Orleans Arena. Great place to watch college basketball, by the way. So looking forward to that. We got a lot of college basketball tournaments around the corner, including the Mountain West Conference Tournament. So my good friend and head coach of Southern Utah, Thunderbirds, Todd Simon, will be joining us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. So, Doug, uh, not a big fan of Ron DeSantis. A lot of people on the right seem to think he's the next messiah to uh, uh, take over the realms of the Republican Party. Uh, I call him Ron Death Santis. Uh, You know, brags about how wonderful Florida is. And then when you actually look at the real death toll numbers and uh, infections, uh, they're extremely high. But... DeSantis has always been an anti-masker. He's always been uh, taking the Tucker Carlson approach of putting a mask on children is child abuse. So Ron DeSantis is speaking in front of some USF students. Now, the USF students are all wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And they're in a very awkward, peculiar situation because they don't want to say anything inappropriate to Governor DeSantis. But as DeSantis approaches these young men and women who are wearing masks respectfully – Here's what Ron DeSantis says to them. I want you to have a listen to this. Have a listen to this if you, if you can. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we've got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's theater, according to Ron DeSantis. No, let me tell you what theater is. Idiots like you who spew the same talking points on the right and now you have these kids who are put in a very peculiar situation i would imagine some of them probably disagreed with the governor but they're not in a situation to get into a debate with the governor here are some uh some responses on twitter that i wanted to share with you doug and then i want to get your response uh one person uh, jamel hill by the way who i have respect for don't always agree with her but she's a very smart lady uh who used to cover basketball for espn 
covered the NBA, and now she writes on all sorts of issues, including political issues. Uh, here's what she said. Uh, what a punk blank move to get loud with kids who aren't in a position to tell you to F off. That's what Jamel Hill said. Uh, this is what Joy Reid said, MSNBC. If Florida is so free, why does Ron DeSantis think he has the right to bully and give orders to other people's yep, kids? That, that's actually that's a, the key point. That's actually a pretty good point there. Uh, this Reed is also, the party of freedom. Yeah, Reid also wrote, uh, I would have had to instruct my kids that DeSantis is one of those exceptions to treating adults with respect. They would have had my permission to tell him to F off and to keep their masks right where they were. Uh, who, who was that? that that's uh, Joy Reid. Oh, still Joy. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> the Miami Herald declared uh, in rants against students wearing masks, DeSantis channels his inner Karen. <laughs> that's, what the Miami, oh. that's what the Miami Herald wrote. I mean, what do you make of this? It's Beautiful. So, I mean, those responses are <laughs> solid friggin' gold. <laughs> they really are, aren't they? I uh, mean, but when you hear somebody like a governor I talk like that to these kids. I mean, what goes through but your see, mind? The reason what goes through my mind is the reason he's doing it. And it all goes back again to Donald Trump and how he politicized this virus and made it a political issue instead of a health issue. Right. And this is just all part of the fallout. Two, two and a half years later, we're still having to deal with this political crap. I, I never really understood and I still don't understand, even though I know where it came from, and you're right, Trump, I never understood why anybody decided to make coronavirus political. Are there some people on the left that have tried to gain political points? Sure, I'm, I'm sure they have. But if there's one subject where we all should have come together, it, it should have been COVID, right? Let's, we're all Americans. Let's all fix this together. Let's all try to save lives. I never really understood why this became a political discussion. I never because, tried to. Well, I'll give you my explanation for what it's worth because the number one guy in the country, the leader, the guy with the bully pulpit and the largest and loudest microphone is was also an insecure, malignant narcissist who only cared about himself and himself alone. And he was afraid that the coronavirus and people getting sick and dying would not make him look good. And that's all he cared about. And that, that, that's my explanation. Simple as that. That's why he wouldn't wear a mask and why he downplayed it. Because he didn't think it made yeah. him look good. It made him look weak. So I, the rest of the country cannot wear masks and die as long as Donald Trump looks okay not wearing one. I don't know if we're out of the woods yet when it comes to coronavirus. Uh, it seems like you know uh, the country as a whole is doing better when it comes to the death toll yep. and uh, people who are getting sick. However, I looked up the numbers. Uh, uh, Clark County numbers in February uh, had the highest death toll in February that they have had since uh, the vaccines were out, which, yeah. is, which is not good. Now, January was much better, mm -hmm. which is good. Uh, I don't know if we're out of the woodworks yet. I hope we are. It does seem like things are getting a little better. I know that you still wear your mask, and I totally support that. Uh, I don't. Um, and, you know, listen, I almost died from the virus a year and a half ago. But well, the reason I do is because I look better with it on. <laughs> well, that, that, that's a good point, uh, Doug. You didn't have to agree so quickly sure, there, Justin. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of ladies would say the same about me. but um, Oh, they have. I'm sure, that, I'm sure <laughs> they have, man. I'm sure they have. And, by the way, further to something you said in the first segment that – when you were younger, girls used to hang up on you. Yeah, all the it time. It was for different reasons. No, it was yeah. for the same reason. Yeah. And because you're the most honest person I know, you have to admit, they still hang up on you. Well, there's a there's a reason for that, though. The phone sex is over. That's why. So that's why we hang up the phone. But anyway. <laughs> they no. charge too much. Yeah, that's right. It's too much money. $4.99 a minute but, is ridiculous. <laughs> it, it is way too much money. But, uh, you know, we're at a point now where things seem to be getting a lot better. Yep. There are still people dying. 
Uh, our ICU beds are still there are a lot of people uh, out there, and uh, you know the numbers, the num- the latest numbers, they could be worse, they could be better. But if you look at the numbers uh, throughout the country right now, and where we're at right now, uh, accor- this is according to the uh, New York Times, I believe. I'm looking at Clark County right now. Cases uh, we've had uh, seven thousand five hundred and thirty-eight deaths and uh, five hundred and twelve thousand cases. That's just in Clark County. Uh, when you look at the cases, of course, uh, throughout the country and the deaths throughout the country, uh, you know, in 24-hour periods, they certainly are lower than they have been in months past. I hope we're getting through this. I hope, you know, it's coming to an end. Uh, I don't like masks any more than anybody else. And the reason why I don't wear a mask, uh, the main reason, now, if I wasn't vaccinated, I'd be wearing a mask everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I am a vaccinated person. I got two vaccination shots, actually three, and I got the booster. Right. Uh, if I have to get another one, I'm glad we will. And you had COVID, so you have a certain amount of antibodies, I, too. I have had COVID uh, at least once that I know of, uh, and it almost took my life. You know, I've always taken this virus very seriously, and... And I'm speaking in all seriousness now. I don't care what – I've said this – gosh, I feel like I've been saying this for two years. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care what your, the color of your skin is. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your political party is. I don't want you to get sick, and I certainly don't want you to die. Yeah. I want everybody to take care of themselves and take care of others. That's what people have forgotten about this virus over the last two, two and a half years, that it's not just about you. You know, the Joey Gilberts of the world, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be just fine. You know, yeah. the, the Clay Travises of the world, I conquered it. I, 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 me, me, me. But what yep. these dopes don't seem to understand, and they're so selfish and stupid, is that it's not just about you. You could be asymptomatic and give it to other people. It's about protecting society. But see, it's okay to make it all about yourself self and not give a continental rat's ass about anybody else when the top man in the country mm-hmm. is doing the same thing mm-hmm. day after day whatever donald trump did said signed whatever was done on one simple premise that it made him look good at that particular moment sadly you're right and what gets me really upset is there are so many heroes when it comes to you know all this stuff and i'm, I'm talking about uh, doctors and nurses those that are working yeah. in hospitals that uh, every day that are risking their life uh sadly to save many people that are unvaccinated yeah and i have so much respect for them these nurses and doctors these, these frontline workers and and uh they were the ones that ran towards the virus when we were running yeah away. yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of these people just like firefighters sure and the mark levins of the world who i, I believe is a despicable human being uh who will go on the air every day and basically lie and say that the hospitals are lying with no evidence by the way to back it up uh the death toll's overblown these doctors are lying first of all if you lie on a death certificate you can lose your medical license mark levin is a complete buffoon boob he has no idea what he's talking about he goes on the air every day spewing lies and hatred but see and- he can do that because his audience is even more simple-minded than him. And Mark Levin is not technically a simple-minded person. I mean, he is an intelligent guy with a law degree, but he knows his audience. And he knows he can swindle them with simple, easy-to-remember catchphrases. This whole thing that the virus was overblown, created by Democrats, blah, 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 again, they know their audience doesn't have the wherewithal to say, you know how big that conspiracy would have to be? In order for someone to pull that off, it's like, yeah, yeah Democrats stole the election. Again, you know how big yeah. that conspiracy would have to be? 
No, you're right. But they're simple-minded. Yep. By the way, Brian, when you had your, your two shots in the booster, did you have any side effects? Uh, minor headache. Uh, the next day, uh, minor migraine. It might have been that or it might have been uh, you know, listening to some of my callers scream at me. I don't know, I don't know which one it was. No, but in all seriousness, uh, minor. I think I think I had some uh, like I said, a headache, some sniffles, but it was very minor stuff. If anything I had, it only lasted about twenty four hours. It lasted about as long as most of my relationships. So <laughs> so that's about uh, that's about as long as the side effects lasted. So I was fine. And they ended for the same reason, because you are a headache. That's true. I had no side effects from any for either of my shots or the booster. But after the first shot, I was a little concerned the next morning when I went to take the band aid off and I saw this. <laughs> He's showing me a picture of Bill Gates' uh, tattoo underneath his Band-Aid. That's funny. Uh, There are people out there that believe that uh, with these – and that's another thing. And I'll name off um, a couple local radio show hosts that spew hatred and misinformation when it comes to the vaccines. If you listen to Wayne Allen Kook, he'll lead you to believe that millions of people are dying from the vaccines. If you listen to, and I hate to bring his name because he's so irrelevant, Steve Sanchez, another one, oh. uh, who's on, I don't know, what time is he on at night? I, I don't know, even know what time he's on. Uh, but anyway, he, he also uh, spews misinformation when it comes to the vaccines. And I'm not going to say he has a platform because he doesn't. He has about four listeners. But uh, for people that do have platforms, when you spew this type of propaganda, it's dangerous. Oh. And it can kill people. Agree. And sadly, there and are, it has sadly, and it's killed some of the same people that were spewing it, like Phil Valentine. Phil Valentine is a perfect example of yep. what I'm talking about, and there are other right. But at least he was yeah. true to his convictions. Other yeah. people that, yeah. that are spewing it actually, like everybody on Fox has been vaccinated, yeah. yet they spew anti-vax. Yeah. I'm glad you Phil brought up Valentine Fox News. Wasn't vaccinated. Yeah, you really showed those libs. Six yeah. feet, six oh, feet, you own yeah. me, brother. Six feet underneath the ground now. You really did a good job in showing those libs. And by the way, for these idiots out there that are in the hospital, Phil Valentine was an idiot. Uh, whether he's dead or not is irrelevant. He was an idiot, yeah. and he was dangerous, and he killed other people with his stupidity. And he's dead now because of his stupidity. But for people like Phil Valentine that are in the hospital, and then before they get on that ventilator, their last words are, please tell people to get vaccinated. Too late, you clown. It's too late. You effed up. You killed yourself, and you brought other people with you i don't want to hear it. by the way i've never heard anybody in the hospital that in the icu with covid saying boy i'm really glad i didn't get that vaccine yeah, have yeah. you ever heard anybody say that it's funny you mentioned fox news though because while so many of these people uh at fox news are, are part of the january 6th committee subpoenas like the sean hannity's of the world um we're now learning that a former fox news producer to sean hannity and director <laughs> jack hennick has just been indicted this is a story that you won't hear on fox news you won't hear it on oan you won't hear it on newsmax wayne allen kook won't be talking about it steve sanchez tonight will probably be talking about uh, if he doesn't steal my material which he did every day he'll probably be talking about uh you know uh, hunter biden's laptop that and the, in the yeah. new world order yeah that's probably what, and maybe he'll be quoting the bible again because i'm sure if there is a god out there god wanted his spokesperson to be steve sanchez with a constitution but, in one hand and a yeah. bible in the other yeah neither of which he has read or understands no you're wrong with a microphone in one hand and three <laughs> listeners in his ear um so this fox news director jack hannick has been indicted he was arrested very quietly 
in London, the Department of Justice revealing that uh, he was arrested in London February 3rd for dodging U.S. sanctions by helping a sanctioned Russian oligarch. What do you make of this story, Doug? Well, surprising. <laughs> I mean, the irony is so thick you need a chainsaw to cut it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, the only thing that was surprising to me about that story when I read it last night is that it wasn't Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Yeah. That mother Tucker Carlson. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, again, I understand how this business works. At least I'd like to think I do. And uh, for some people on television, radio, you know, ratings are number one. Yeah. And listen, I understand that getting listeners is very important, but it should never supersede the health and safety of people. No. And when you go on the radio and you say things like, quote, like what this attorney said that I interviewed, masks don't work. Right. Or the vaccines are killing millions of people. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, you know, myocarditis. All these young athletes are dying, which is not true. No. Are there, are there a few cases here and there? Sure. There's always going to be side effects, sadly. But the vaccines are overwhelmingly safe. More than half the world has taken these vaccines. It saved millions of lives. That is not an opinion. That is a fact. So when you go on the radio, you're not a doctor. You have no medical expertise. And you say things that are not true. It is dangerous. Now, if you want to give your opinions on Donald Trump and you kiss his ring and you think he's the best president ever, I'll disagree with you. But I'm not sure necessarily when you have an opinion on a former president that's going to hurt people as much as when you put out medical misinformation. And that's where my frustration lies from. And I take it very personal because, Doug, as you know, I was in the hospital for two weeks with COVID and uh, I still haven't fully recovered from it. And this was, you know, uh, a year and a half ago. So, you know, I take this to heart. We can have our debates, and I could have you know a, a, a 25-minute uh, you know yelling match with Joey Gilbert. But the only part of that interview that truly bothers me is when he puts out misinformation about COVID. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah, I don't understand it. I don't understand where we've gotten to a point where that should be ever be acceptable at any radio station. But there are radio stations, as you know, one where you were at and one where I'm at, where they seem to endorse misinformation, or at least they have no problem with it. But the second you or I say something negative about Donald Trump. Ooh, that's blasphemy. And these people that call – this is another thing I don't understand. I know I'm going on a can't tangent here, but help me out with this one. These people that call themselves Christians, these people that are religious, that, that quote the Bible all the time in Jesus, yet they stand by Donald Trump, who probably is one of the biggest sinners in our society, <laughs> with the cheating and the womanizing and the racist statements that he's make and, and, and talking about women and their looks and, 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 and just all the stuff that this man has done in his life. And yet these people that call themselves good Christians, I tell you, folks, I don't know a lot about Christianity, but I know it says something about sinners, and yet you decide to kiss the ring of the man who probably is the biggest sinner of them all. Doug, I don't understand. Explain that to me. Well, because their leaders, like the the Falwells and you know Franklin Graham, you know they Jerry Falwell Jr. You know what happened to him? Yeah. That, was that guy, that guy wanted to watch his wife have sex with other men, and he was in the room pleasuring himself. And this is the same guy who in public said he didn't want men and women kissing on, on campus. The biggest, the biggest hypocrite in the history of hypocrites. Yeah, but at least because he's heterosexual, he thinks it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, you, you mentioned Jerry Falwell, but why do these oh, yeah, Christians yeah, yeah. Because they stand le- by Trump? Because their leaders have told them, well, sometimes God sends a savior in an imperfect vessel. And that excuses Donald Trump from everything he says and does. Well, God sent him, and he's an imperfect vessel. Do you think people really look at Donald Trump as like the next messiah? Like, honestly, do you think some people, like, they have a poster of Donald Trump in their bedroom that they 
they pleasure themselves to every night. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Is that is that something that I mean? That, I know that's something you do, but I mean, uh, <laughs> just not to Donald Trump. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I prefer magazines over posters. I, actually, I go online. Pornhub is running a special this week. For no, the, in Russia. So I've been told. not in Russia. No more no. Pornhub in Russia. No, <laughs> no they, they, seriously, they took it down. In That's Russia. why I moved back. Yeah, it's very unfortunate yeah. for those Russians. You know, if anything, it's going to get them more angry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Oh, about by that. the way, you mentioned Joe Biden's State of the Union the other night. Yes, I thought I, I liked the first part. It was strong. What I. What I didn't like was his segue from that into what he did next. If I had been him after he said all that wonderful, appropriate stuff about Ukraine, I yeah. would have said, now, getting back to matters at home, today's QOP is trying to do the same yeah. thing in America that Putin is trying to do in Ukraine, yeah. destroy democracy. I would, That's the point that needs to be hammered home for the next yeah. nine months. I wouldn't have lasted three seconds as president because if I was up there, I would have told Lauren Boebert, I would have called her trailer trash. I would have said, trailer trash, sit down or get the hell out. I mean, that's what I would have said to her. Yeah. That's just so disgusting. Um, I just feel like these speeches uh, were such children where you have sometimes you have half the half the crowd standing up and clapping and the other half sitting down. It's like, isn't this America? It's so childish. It's so stupid. They did the same thing with Trump, too. And and, yeah. and, and listen, I get it. Some of the policies you don't agree, disagree with. I also don't think you need to clap every eight seconds either. Right. I think it's a little much. Why don't we just let the president read the speech and then we clap after? Like, you know, in some speeches, you oh, say, I agree. don't clap until the speech Especially is over. Stop when it when with you- the Clapping. Especially when you do radio and you're cutting bits to do on the show, right. and you got to cut out all the applause. We, and by the way, what was up with Nancy Pelosi doing that little? Uh, what would you call that dance she was doing? She was where she was like rubbing her. She's a weirdo. You know, she's what? rubbing I, her hands together like like coconuts, and, and you, she was doing this little dance. I'm like, you are just so weird. Just sit down. You know what I would call? And it? Come out, poor, Mikel, poor Camilla Harris is sitting there uh, having to sit next to her. Like, what is Nancy? Nancy's lost her mind. What I would call it. First of all, there's no question that Nancy Pelosi has been a more than effective speaker of the house no question what what i attribute all the coconut rubbing and stuff to (laughs) is most of our politicians are too damn old she is very old joe biden's too old agree trump is too old i'm too old half of those people sitting there are too old i agree they had to take a break to go take their metamucil No, I, mean, I agree. I mean, we need fresh blood. That's why I was a big backer of Pete Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. Smart guy. I mean, he's still well spoken, razor sharp. I hate to say this because, you, as you know, I'm not one of those people. I am not homophobic in any way. Right. I don't care what your sexuality is, but I will tell you this: I don't think Pete Buttigieg would get voted in because he's gay. I don't think uh, America. That, that's a giant mountain I, to climb. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I just, I just don't think it would happen. Uh, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I agree with you. I would support him. I would vote for him. Yeah. Uh, but I agree on both sides of the aisle. We need younger people. Now, with that being said, we don't need more Lauren Boberts and Marjorie Taylor Greens. No, when we talk about fresh yeah. blood, we want blood that's at least red. Theirs is some kind of creepy also, alien green. <laughs> I also don't want a young Democrat in office like Ilhan Omar, who is so ignorant, and I don't think she's very intelligent. Uh, I'm not an Ilhan Omar fan who... When talking about the people of the Jewish faith and people in Israel, uses the term, it's all about the Benjamins, and doesn't stop herself to think, hmm, this might be anti-Semitic. Like, what is going through your mind? Even if she didn't mean it that way, she's stupid. Uh, 
And, you know, when you're talking about 9-11, and I know some people would say this is a right-wing talking point, but in talking about 9-11, you probably shouldn't state it as saying some people did some things. Uh, she, she, she really says some dumb things that, that make her look really bad. Do I put her at the level as Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert? No, of course not. Because even though she said some bad things, she's apologized for those things. Yeah. And I do give her credit for that. But I also get the sense from her that she has an ego and she thinks she's hot stuff when... Uh, as does everyone up there. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a bit of an ego if you think you belong up there making laws for everybody else. I, I do believe that there are some people on both sides of the aisle that do not feel that way, that do not have an ego. But I do believe even a Joe Biden... When when you're in office as long as he's been in, you're going to have an ego. Sure. Uh, I didn't like the way he talked to that construction worker back in the day when he was running for president. That kind of showed a bad side to Joe Biden. I do believe Joe Biden is a good man. I think he's a decent man with empathy. I think he has a good family. He has a lovely wife who I've interviewed, who I have a lot of respect for, an actual doctor, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Joe Biden, while Hunter Biden's had his issues with drug abuse, uh, you know, I think for the most part, uh, the Biden family is a uh, is a they're good people. Yeah. And in talking about the Trump family, I don't know how anybody can come to that conclusion. <laughs> I no. just don't. I just think they're despicable people. But hey, you know what? Another time for another day, Doug. And by the yeah. way, before I before I mean, I was a big fan of Pete Buttigieg, but my first choice for the nominee was Beto O'Rourke because he reminded me of Robert Kennedy. Very articulate, very emotional, very white. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very, very heterosexual. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not a big Beto fan. Um, I agree with 99% of Democrats when it comes to gun ownership, but Beto was one of those guys that uh, wanted to take all your guns away. And, and, and I think uh, we don't need those types of extremes. Uh, I don't think uh, Democrats are going to get support when it comes to gun control and gun violence and when you have somebody that just wants to take all your guns away. First of all, that's never going to happen. And second of all, I just think that's an extreme view. The overwhelming majority of Democrats don't want to take all your guns away. They want to take weapons of war away. Better O'Rourke had some extreme views that I did not agree with. I'm not a big Beto guy. We can disagree on that. I think there are some very capable people. You mentioned one of them, Pete Buttigieg, who I'm in agreement with you, with you 150%. Doug, it's been a while since uh, we did a little, did something like this in studio. It's fun being in the studio. I would, I would love to do it with you again very soon. And uh, it sounds better than calling in. Yeah, it also sounds better on a radio station that doesn't endorse uh, misinformation. So, yes, it does. Yes, yes, it does, Doug. Hallelujah. Doug, I appreciate you coming in, my man. It, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and you're a good friend, and, and uh, let's do it again sometime soon, okay? Anytime, Brian. Appreciate it, Doug. You're the best. All right, that's Doug Basham, everybody. Hey, it's March Madness, right? Whoa, I'm sounding like Chris Wynn now. I'm starting to yell into the microphone. He does that a lot. But I'm excited. I love March Madness. I love college basketball. We have all these tournaments in Las Vegas, and I'm going to one tonight, the West Coast Conference Tournament, BYU in action. The guy we have with us on the line next, uh, he's one of my good friends. He used to coach Finley Prep here, and then he did such a wonderful job there. UNLV hired him as an assistant coach. They fired Dave Rice. He's the interim head coach. And he has completely turned around Southern Utah as the head coach of Southern Utah, the Thunderbirds. I'm talking about my good friend Todd Simon. We're going to talk about his conference, the Big Sky, where he's at. We're going to talk about college basketball in general, a great basketball mind, and one of the best young coaches in the game, uh, in my personal opinion. Todd Simon, head coach of Southern Utah, will be joining us next. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits. So glad you could join us on a Friday. My thanks to Doug Basham for joining us. 
This is my favorite time of the year, and uh, yes, I know people say that when they talk about Christmas. Uh, my Christmas is college basketball and March Madness. We got the West Coast Conference here in Vegas. Uh, the big, uh, the Big West is going to be out there in Henderson at the new arena. Of course, we got the Pac-12 here. We got the WAC here. Oh, just a plethora of college basketball, and you know, about two hours down the road, so to speak, is uh, the Southern Utah basketball program. And you know, the Thunderbirds were not a great team five, six years ago. Six years ago, they were one of the worst teams in Division One college basketball. Then a guy by the name of Todd Simon took over the program. That main name might sound familiar because he coached high school ball here, then got an assistant coaching job at UNLV. He was the interim head coach for a little while, and I said, well, UNLV shouldn't gotten rid of him because the guy knows what he's doing, and he's completely turned the Southern Utah basketball program around, and they are now competing for uh, the Big Sky a championship, and that tournament starts right around the corner in Boise, and Todd Simon joins me right now on the line. Todd, I appreciate you coming on, my friend. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, can you just talk, for starters, what a grind it is in your conference, on the road, busing it in six hours here, seven hours there? I mean, I don't think people really understand the luxuries that, say, a UNLV team has to be able to fly everywhere. That's not the luxury that you have in your conference, is it? Yeah, you know, the Big Sky is, is unique. You know, it's 32 conferences in Division One, and, and our, ours is probably by far the, the, the trickiest travel uh, with all the uh, geography and, and lack of flights and everything that you kind of deal with. So, like, for example, this week we're we're playing three and five days. We went uh, Monday, drove to Vegas to fly to Bozeman huh. and uh, play Tuesday night against Montana State uh, and then uh, bus, you know, through Yellowstone for, what, four or five hours to uh, <laughs> Pocatello, Idaho. And we played last night. And uh, jump on the bus again and drive on down to Ogden, Utah for a few hours. And then uh, we'll play tomorrow at 6 and uh, and then head on back down to Cedar City for (laughs) four hours away. So So when you're on on the bus, Todd, uh, what are you doing when you're on the bus besides uh, getting text messages from me and, and, and giving you scores from other games? Like, what? I'm just curious. Like, are you sleeping? Are you breaking down film? Are you watching film with other coaches? What do you do to pass the time? Are you listening to Biggie? On I, I don't know. Like, what? What are you doing to pass? What does Todd Simon do to pass the time when you're on the bus doing that? I'm curious. Uh, well, it, for me, it's I, I do it on a film. You know, I'm just kind of like. Close the book on the last game. It's 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 on to the next one. Watched last last night. I think I watched four games of uh, of Weber State for tomorrow. But but there's also like the banter and you know the players. You know it's you know, sometimes it's a dance party in the back and guys are guys are getting getting loose and and celebrating a win and you know we like to have fun with it too. Once we'll stop, get some dessert, or hang out, whatever it is. But it's uh, but yeah, you know guys bring pillows and <laughs> guys we got you got a lot of. Uh, you got time on your hands, that's for sure. But yeah, that's it's it's texting, calling, uh, and I got a no no phone call policy. You know, I like our guys to kind of interact. You can text and all that stuff. We try to stay stay present with one another, enjoy the a lot of time that we have together. But it's it's certainly interesting. Uh, to get, you contemplate life for a little bit when you're in the middle of Yellowstone for two hours with no when when you get your cell phone service is is, is not non-existent. That's when it gets really tricky. <laughs> I just can't even imagine. 
I, I would think that the, the trip is a little easier after a W, but like, just say you like, and you, 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 every coach has tough losses. Like if you, if you lose a game and it's a tough loss, maybe it was a bad call down the stretch or you lose by one possession. I would imagine a six or a seven hour bus trip after a tough loss is not fun. No, no, but I, I do believe like there, there's some carryover to what this is. I mean, we had a really tough one. Tuesday was for first place in the league. You know, we are our we have two starters that uh, are sick, and uh, preseason player of the year goes goes down uh, and, and is out in the first five minutes of the game. You, you know, a tough one that goes down to the wire. You come up short. Um, what this builds is, is is a mental toughness. And I, and I think it's a little bit why all these coaches that leave the big sky, whether it be Jeff Linder at Wyoming, uh, Wayne Tinkle at Oregon State, or Tad Boyle at Colorado, these guys that leave this league, I, I think as a coach, you're mentally tough because you have to be able to compartmentalize. Okay, yeah, we got a, we got a tough whistle or we took a bad road loss. This sucks. That sucks. But you know what? I, I got you. Got to pull yourself back up, and we got to yeah. get going for the next one. And I think that's what this league really wants to. From a from a coaching standpoint, what is the first thing you say to your team when you find out your second best player, certainly offensively, Jones goes down with a hand fracture, and the news comes in that he's out for minimum what six weeks? So pretty much his season is over. It is over. Like, what's the first thing you say to your team uh, when that news comes out? Well, I, I think the, you know, we're just next man up mentality. I mean, guys have had the same 130 practices over the last calendar year. And uh, so, you know, guys are ready. It's next man up. This is, you know, we, we he did a great job in that role. Someone else has to step in that role and do a great job. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, we feel for him. But, you know, he's got to step into a different role of being the greatest sure. teammate he can be. And and we just we move forward, you know. And, and you know what? That's what it's, it's, we try to just say. Hey, this is what life is too. Right. <laughs> You're gonna get you get beat down, but you got to you got to you got to do the next play, next play mentality, next man up, and and uh, so that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, no, un- understandable. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Southern Utah Thunderbirds head basketball coach Todd Simon with all these Las Vegas ties, not only at UNLV, but Finley Prep. All right, Todd, let's reminisce a little bit. You know, you were the head coach here for about half a season or so here at UNLV when, when Dave Rice was uh, ended his position here at UNLV. You had some very trying times here as far as eligibility, and you didn't have many scholarship players that you were able to play in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Uh the, the, this, the team, UNLV as a whole, has struggled. The crowd support hasn't been there. Uh, you know, playing game after playing game in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Kevin Kruger. I know you've had a chance probably to catch a few UNLV games this year. Uh, Kevin, like yourself, young coach. Obviously, you have more experience than he does at the head coaching position. This is his first year. But I would imagine you must be pretty impressed with what Kevin has been able to do. Not the greatest conference in the world, but the fact that Kevin is competing for a Mountain West Conference title. Uh, pretty cool stuff for a first-year coach, huh? No, Kevin's a good friend. Uh, you know, I root for him like crazy and, and uh, you know, try to catch as many games as I can, you know, just as, a, as an alum and as a fan. Um, got a lot of, you know, being in Vegas for, what, 13 years, 12 years, whatever I, I was there, you know, you, you have a lot of ties to that community. And so I'm, I'm, I'm always rooting for them. You know, that's, that's something that, uh, uh, you know, anytime we're not playing them, I want, I want them to win. And, and, and I want Kevin to be successful. He's doing a great job. Not easy when you're we're 
rebuilding a roster from scratch takes a while to get cohesion. He's got him really defending and playing hard. And that's and that's half of college basketball. If you can just defend, play hard, give, give maximum effort. You know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. But that's that's a great way. That's a great place to start. And uh, I, I know no one wants to see them in this conference tournament. But that's for sure. No question about it. Can I ask you? Uh, I know the Big Sky's been in Boise for a little while. Have they ever uh, made the decision that they might relocate or maybe come to Las Vegas? I know we talked about it. I, I was pushing for it. I was trying to get in the mix of this thing and say, hey, look, the you know, Las Vegas is is kind of the mecca of college basketball in, in for conference tournaments out, out west. I mean, it really is. And, and uh, you know, we belong there. And I, we tried to push. I think they had some, some venue um, conflicts where they couldn't quite get in there, and so they settled on Boise. But uh, going to the WAC next year will, will be will be a treat. We'll be in uh, we'll be in Vegas and 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 uh, part of the part of the party down there so that's going to be uh that'll be that'll be a nice adjustment especially with us being a couple hours down the road yeah it saves me a two-hour trip to catch a game now i'll be able to catch uh, your conference tournament right here in las vegas at the orleans arena i would imagine and that's going to be uh certainly a lot of fun what is your take i know your focus right now and rightfully so is your conference and your opponents in your conference and i understand that but as a whole you're you're a basketball fan just like me and you watch a lot of games across the country when you can like you said uh in your opinion opinion right now who is the clear-cut favorite to to win it all this year who's your pick you know i'm i'm probably going back i think at some point you know championships require a little bit of luck and it's kind of one of those deals if you're a quality program you just keep putting yourself in the position to kind of get those breaks and you know this year i kind of go back to gonzaga you know at some point you know they've been in two championship games the last handful of years. That they're they're going to continue to put themselves in that position, and their margin for error with their with their rim protection is is great. I mean you have two excellent uh, bigs, and uh, that gives you a little margin for error on a cold shooting night, or uh, you know one of those days where maybe you're you're throwing the ball around the gym that you can still cover up a lot when when, when you're going to end possessions and protect the rim. So. That would be my, my uh, unstudied uh, pick right now. Uh, I like Gonzaga as well. you got to give uh, Randy Bennett so much credit, don't you, Todd? I mean, uh, they were able to defeat uh, beat Gonzaga on their home floor last week. I do think that makes this West Coast Conference tournament a little more interesting, but I, I have to criticize the West Coast Conference a little bit here, Todd, because it frustrates me that the top two seeds, right away, they're in the semifinals uh, of the West Coast Conference tournament. They don't have to play anybody. And I know why the West Coast Conference is doing it. They're doing it because they're protecting their top seeds uh, for the NCAA tournament. Tournament. I just think that's wrong. I think it's an indust- injustice for the fans. I think it's unfair to, to these some of these other seeds that have to play what they could they could play four games in, in what five nights. I mean, I just think it's absurd. I'm glad your conference doesn't do that, and I'm glad that uh, the Mountain West Conference doesn't do that. I, I just don't understand why the West Coast Conference is one of the few teams in the uh, few uh, conferences in the country that do that. Yeah, no, it's a unique deal. I, I do believe the uh, reality is, to me, that what makes college basketball special is the second season. You know, a lot can go wrong during the course of the year. And that's why I don't like these conferences that, that leave teams out, you know, that take, oh, 10, 10 teams out of the 14 league. No, even, you know, so, you know those first couple of years, we got wins in the conference tournament when we weren't very good as a program. 
But we got to that second season, and you know we're a 13 win team. But we get to the, to the semifinals, um, we find wind and, and guys improved, and, and now it elevates your program going into the following year. You know, so it's the same when I see um, the deck too stacked. Like let, let's let this be what it is, and let the you know you want to reward the regular season. I get the financial piece of this thing of wanting to get a higher seed in the tournament and protecting got teams net ranking by not having them play lower opponents. I get all that. But to me that's gaming it. But like I just like two teams, my five year five, two buckets of ball, let's play. Mm-hmm. And, and and I like the old old fashioned tournaments where it's just a true bracket. Let's go. Let's not overthink this thing. But that's a little old school. I agree. You know, I asked uh Lon Kruger the same question that I'm gonna ask you because I think Lon Kruger, one of the best in the business at being able to turn programs around, get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, Larry Eustachie, to me, was one of the best ever at that as well. I mean, success everywhere. So I ask you the same question. Uh, your first head coaching job at Southern Utah, I want to go back to that. You take over a program that is in shambles. I mean, one of the worst programs in the country. I mean, I, you know, they're winning a couple games a year. Uh, it's just, it, it's, it's unfathomable. You take over a program and and you completely turn it around. Uh, and it might be a loaded question to ask you. I asked Lon Kruger the same, which is, how? What is the magic potion? What are you, What is it that you were able to establish and continue to do at Southern Utah that has made you relevant as one of the top teams in your conference for the last several years? And by the way, to your credit, the fan support you have there in the student section is larger than the UNLV student section, which to me here, it's a testament to you, nothing against you, but it's unacceptable here at UNLV, but you have great crowds there in Southern Utah. How were you able to do it? And when you first got there, what did you say you needed to change immediately? Well, you know, these things are tough because they snowball. And sometimes, you know, you can have good coaches and, and, but, you know, lack of success can snowball and all of a sudden it becomes a perception. And all of a sudden, like, it's not a in thing. It's not a cool thing. You know, men's basketball is all oh, they're terrible. You know, all of a sudden that's your brand. So, you know, day one way to change the brand. And, you know, we did that all the way from little things from cosmetic changes throughout to, um, just, winning people over one by one. Like, you know, it was, I told the story, I think I've gotten a haircut from every different place in town because, <laughs> Hey, you know what? But those, those are, uh, this is a word of mouth town. Right. I need, I need all those people to hear from me. Like, Hey, you know, it's easy to say, you know, the, you know, that, that program's garbage. Uh, you know, we don't support them, but when all of a sudden you make it personal and say, Hey, you know what? It is going to turn around. And I want you to be there when we do. Uh, all of a sudden, it's a little bit more personal, and it just takes it one by one. I mean, we were giving out donuts. I mean, just walk around the sidewalk with boxes of donuts, just you know, giving out promise rings. Hey, this is the promise ring. Just promise me you'll come to one game for five minutes. And if you don't like it, you leave. Like you just got to do it one person at a time, and then, then over time, all of a sudden, you know, we said the rule of ten: if we get every person out, bring ten people. And, you know, you bring Smart. ten people, and that, that starts with the players. If each player, you got to bring, you got to bring in ten people. Right now, all of a sudden, you got 150 people. And if those people can bring in people, it, it's just you got to work at it. You have to, but the product has to be good. You can't be fake. You can't be bad. Right. You, you know, and to be good, you got to be hold people accountable. You know what? Hey, you're not going to be popular. Not everyone's going to love you today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I wake up every morning knowing, like, okay, this ain't going to be, this ain't going to be easy. 
and now everyone's going to love what they have to hear, but it's my job to, to make sure it, the accountability is there, and that's how you're going to find wins. Todd, I love what you just said, you know, going to every barber in town. If I had hair, I would do that, by the way, but I don't. But uh, but Todd has a full head of hair. But but I love what you said about just, you know, reaching out to all different people. It doesn't matter whether you're giving out donuts. I feel like, Todd, UNLV felt like, and some people within the administration and maybe some coaches, they felt like we're UNLV. We shouldn't have to do that. And they, and, I, and this is my opinion. Sometimes you just need to suck up your pride a little bit. And do what you feel is necessary. You did that. Your staff did that. People on campus did that. And it paid off. Yes, you turned the program around. Yes, it's a good product. Yes, you're winning a lot of games. But you were able to get fans in the arena. I just feel like there were people here at UNLV over the years that maybe didn't didn't want to do that for whatever reason. And sometimes that's on the coaches as well. Do you feel like there are some programs out there that don't take that extra step and they suffer for it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just a different view. Everyone's got a different view, the different values, what you want, and and. But for me, like here, it's it's we don't have a, a huge roster of of full time employees in athletics. We don't have this, uh, you know, an unlimited amount of people to kind of do these things. So it's like, hey, you know what? If we want this, we gotta we've got to do it ourselves, and, and that's just part of part of what we view as part of our program, you know, and, and a lot of coaches just want to coach. I get that. And that's, that's no problem at all. Um, I just see it a little bit as a CEO position in a lot of ways nowadays where you have to do, it, you have to touch all aspects of the program. And I don't believe in no blaming, no complaining, no defending. Sure. Don't, don't take those three things out of your, your, your day. Mm-hmm. And you'll find all of a sudden find a lot of solutions. Sure, and that, sure. that's what we're about. Coach, you uh, you coached in the Mountain West Conference as an assistant as an interim head coach. So I got to ask you this question about the Mountain West Conference as the season approaches the second season uh, with the Mountain West Conference tournament. Who do you think should be the favorite to win the Mountain West Conference tournament? Who's your favorite team to watch? Well, it's you know Boise when 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 they're going are pretty darn good right now. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Coach Rice has more length. Uh, they're better defensively, and they they've been for a little while just on the eye test. Um, you know, Colorado State's going to you know they're not going to be an easy out. They're a tough matchup. Their style. You you have a Wyoming team. You know, who, you know he came from Northern Colorado, so I enjoy supporting them. Uh, who's got a very distinct uh, style of play um, that that you're going that's not going to beat itself. You're going to have to beat them to knock them out. You know, and, and you know San Diego State's track record. They're gonna, they're gonna. The play gets real physical in these tournaments, and, and they're as physical as they come in the league. So it's gonna be a knockdown drag out to get them out of the, out of, out of the event. And, and and you know, if he's defending, Bryce is scoring, and it's it's gonna be a um, a lot of battles. It's gonna be really interesting to to see how it all plays out. You know, I, I kind of feel like the ball is bouncing Boise's way, but it's also one of those years where you could see them. You know, getting upset early. There's just a lot of uh, in neutral sight. A lot can happen. So, but uh, that's kind of who I was eyeballing 
in the little bit I've seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And San Diego State barely squeaked by Fresno last night. They won by one point in double overtime. Double overtime and both teams barely score 130 points. But uh, certainly there's a lot of defense in the Mountain West Conference. Not a lot of offense. Not similar to the top teams in your league, including your team playing tomorrow night. I would imagine it's going to be an up-tempo game against Weber State. A big game for you guys. Big game for Weber State. I believe it's their senior night game. So good luck tomorrow night. Uh, good luck on the bus trip back. And uh, I hope you guys get healthy and get healthy soon. And, you know, I wish you all the luck in the world uh, come the uh, postseason tournament. Todd, you're doing a great job. You have done a great job over there at Southern Utah turning that program around. And uh, always appreciate it when you come on the show, Todd. And good luck tomorrow night. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Appreciate it. That is uh, my friend Todd Simon, head coach of Southern Utah Thunderbirds. Not only a great guy, great basketball mind, great young coach. And, you know, he's my age. He's around 40 years old. So uh, in basketball years as a head coach, that's very young. You know, you see a lot of coaches in their 50s, 60s. Todd's a young coach with a very, very bright future ahead of him. And like I said, I love this time of the year. I mean, tonight is the West Coast Conference Tournament. BYU comes to town. Always fun rooting against BYU, so I'll definitely be one of those people tonight. Uh, But uh, BYU in action. we got two games tonight. I believe Loyola Marymount is playing tonight as well, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, San Diego uh, knocked off Pepperdine in a good basketball game. Pretty good basketball game last night. I was at the game last night. Those games are at Orleans, the Orleans Arena. And uh, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, those are usually always the, the two teams that are doing battle. So that's going to be a lot of fun this weekend to be able to watch. Uh, Certainly one of the best teams, if not the best team in college basketball in Gonzaga. I think they're right there. Uh, Mark Few has a better chance than anybody, just as anybody, uh, to win the national championship this year. I think he's got a hell of a good squad. Uh, Not a lot of weaknesses on this team. I know they have a couple losses. I was at the game where they lost to Duke. By the way, nothing bashful in losing to Duke. Duke is a really good team. Uh, Nothing embarrassing about that. And, uh, you know, Duke's one of those teams as well. Gonzaga losing to St. Mary's. That's going to happen in conference on the road, hostile environment. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Second week in the books, ladies and gentlemen, of Pushing the Limits. You can find me on social media. Pushing Limits LV is my social media Twitter account. You could also find me on Facebook. Add me as a friend. I need friends. I'm so lonely. Add me as a friend. Brian Shapiro. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on social media where we also podcast all of our shows here. And I will put uh, some of the more entertaining segments up on Twitter and on my personal Facebook page as well. Appreciate all of you joining us. I appreciate Todd Simon coming on with me. Uh, Doug Basham joining me in studio is always a treat. Always fun having him. I hope everybody has a safe weekend and i hope everybody has a lot of fun out there be safe out there man it's really windy outside i was planning on playing golf this weekend but i don't think that's going to happen i might just have to play a little poker this weekend we'll see how it goes ladies and gentlemen thanks for joining us really appreciate it it's been a fun week fun second week of pushing the limits and uh catch you monday at noon same time same place have a great weekend everybody